0: Our scripture passage, as we continue to look at the Ten Commandments together, a scripture passage for today and the next few Sundays is found printed at the bottom of your bulletin. And I would ask you to read that aloud along with me this morning. Put it at the bottom of your bulletin on the side of the order of worship. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us a word that is complete, that it is accurate, that we can count upon it, that we can rely upon your word to teach us what we need to know in order to please you and to... Uh, live as your children in a world that is completely unlike you. (coughs) We thank you that we are able by following your word to live as holy and righteous men and women in a unholy and unrighteous world. We ask that you would make us more and more like you, that we would shine forth with the light of day. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us these lessons from your word this morning and that you would work. In my words so that my words are faithful in keeping with your word, because it is your word that is holy. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Jack McCormick, who many of you have met, <coughs> tells the following story of going up to West Point when his and Sandy's older son, Scott, um, who subsequently died in the Ganner, Newfoundland crash of the Air Force jet back in the 80s when Scott graduated from West Point, And he's given me permission to retell it. Now Scott was a company commander of cadets at the Academy. This was his final year, and this was graduation. And when Jack and Sandy arrived, they met Scott in one of the buildings on the campus of the Academy. <clears throat> Jack, father that he is, immediately went up to his son, and those of you who know him, can just imagine what he did. He put his arms around his son to give him a bear hug and to kiss him. Now Scott, of course, knowing his father, was not at all surprised by that. And he tried to stop it by remarking, you don't do that here. <laughs> because he felt that it could lead one of his cadets, those that he commanded, to lose respect for him, to see him involved in such an outward display of emotion with his father. But Jack didn't let that stop him, <clears throat> and Scott, hesitating no longer in the demonstration of his father's love for him, said, oh well, what's the difference, put his hands, arms around his father, hugged him and kissed him back. Now as you and I think about this in this situation, every parent would want this signal success for themselves and more particularly for their child. <clears throat> to have a son graduating from West Point, for him to be one of the heads of his class, <clears throat> to have this kind of relationship and rapport with this son. But this kind of success, this sort of success, does not come cheaply, and it does not come easily. <clears throat> it comes as a result of proper parenting and put stars all around it, God's blessing On the upbringing of children and upon the children themselves. This sort of result does not occur when parents ignore the responsibilities integral to the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This sort of result, this sort of success does not occur when children ignore this command. Both sides of this coin, in other words, that this command implies and involves much more than just a one-way, a, one-way, uh, a one-way exchange in which the children give honor to their parents, and that is all we need to say about it, both sides of this coin are illustrated by the praise that Scott McCormick had engraved on the sword board which is hanging over his parents' fireplace, his gift to them from his graduation. The board that has his sword on it. It states, thanks for always being there. Thanks for always being there. Today we look at the responsibilities of parents in fulfilling their obligation, their God-given obligation, for the keeping of this commandment. We will continue to finish the responsibilities of parents this next Sunday, and then we'll move from that to examine What this commandment involves from the perspective of parents in their relationship with their children. Lest those of you who do not have children or whose children are grown should say, This is unimportant and does not involve me anymore. And you might say, Thank goodness. We need to recognize that we, as a church, as a part of the body of Christ, are a family. And therefore, as we go through these responsibilities of blood parents... We are also speaking of responsibilities of spiritual parents. Those in our congregation who are adults have these responsibilities for the children of God in our congregation and elsewhere. Those younger ones who become our responsibility, for instance, when children are dedicated in the church or in times past when they have been baptized, The church affirms that they will take the responsibility for these children seriously in order to bless the parents as well. To take the responsibility to give to these children of their own lives and their own spiritual input so that parents are not islands in and of themselves in raising children but instead are part of a community where everybody works together for the goal that children will grow up to be as we are people who trust in God and have a lifelong commitment to Him. So even as I use the word parent or parents here in this message, feel free to translate it liberally into adults. Even as we saw last week that the word father, which is spoken of in this passage, may refer to any authority who has any person who has authority over another. Feel free when I say parents to translate it at adults. Consider it meaning you if you were an adult. Why does this commandment involve responsibilities for parents or adults as well? Because children learn how to honor their parents and adults from their parents and other adults. We need to recognize this because the attitudes and actions of parents, if they are proper and right attitudes and actions, should cause children to honor their parents. Another way is the way in which parents act around their children and to their children, the way in which adults treat children and the way they act around them should cause that honor to spring forth from the children for those adults, whether they're parents or others. And furthermore, we need to recognize that children learn how to honor parents and adults from those very parents and adults. We need to recognize this because the expectations that parents have of their children should demand that honor be shown them. Just as their teaching shows children how to demonstrate that honor towards their parents. Now, let me move this a step further by having us think back in retrospect of the 10 commandments <clears throat> what are the first and second commandments one run thou shalt have no other gods before me. you were surprised because i didn't start with it first okay i shall have no other gods before me what is the second one two zoo Animals in the zoo, thou shalt not make any graven graven images, thou shalt not bow down to them, thou shalt not worship them. In the very Ten Commandments themselves, we have an exhibit of the ways in which parents should be working with their children. And an exhibit of this point, the expectations parents have of their children should demand honor be shown them. That is what God is doing in the Ten Commandments. He's saying, I am the first and the only, and you need to treat me as such. He's saying, furthermore, I do not want you causing your affections to be devoted to anything else because it is false. Just to me, and to me as I present myself. Let us look then at the environment that parents create. First and foremost, parents need to create an environment in which God is placed first. Now, we're talking about believing parents. We're talking about adults who trust in God. It is crucial that God sits on a pedestal in our hearts, in our homes, in our everyday lives, in our church. For believers, this is where and how we learn how to be parents as we are created to be. It's because we can look at how God has been our Heavenly Father And we can examine that and see how he is related to us, his children. And by looking at that, even as we look at the Ten Commandments and see how we can parent through the first two Ten Commandments, we find the ways in which he wants us to be parents to our children or to the children in our midst. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 tells us this with regard to how we need to place God first. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God has to have priority in our lives and it's to be exhibited in everything that we do so that those younger people around us can see this. See without a doubt, to that man, to that woman, God is first. Not second, not tied, first. This is the subject matter we should be teaching the youngsters in our midst, whether they're our children or others. Here I refer you back to the messages on worship in the church and in the family resulting from our examination of the fourth commandment. Several of you have parents who do not know Christ and have shared the fact that those parents have been excellent and continue to be excellent although they don't teach the most important subject of all the knowledge of God i refer you to 1 chronicles 5:23 it gives us an exhibit of just such parents just such god un- well they're not godly but just such excellent fathers in a community it says the people of the half tribe of manasseh were numerous they settled in the land from bashan to baal hermon is, to Senir. These were the heads of their families, and then it goes through and lists them in first chronicles five twenty three and twenty four They were brave warriors, famous men, and heads of their families. It is possible to be excellent parents if you do not know God, but if you know God, you have no choice. God must be placed first so that those around you can see this. what other other overall overarching <clears throat> principle must encompass our living as adults and appearance around younger people and children. Overall, love must be demonstrated throughout. 1 Corinthians 13 reverberates with this message. Nothing else succeed, succeeds if love is not exhibi- exhibited. Matthew 7, 9, Christ says this, speaking to earthly parents, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The principle is that love is to permeate every aspect of our lives in regard to children. In regard to one another, I mean, this is a general principle. Both of these are general principles, but we need to reiterate them so that we remember that they are to be applied in every aspect of our relationships. I would also point out that uh, the example that I opened with, Jack McCormick, going up to West Point and hugging and kissing his son, we too often think of love as something that is removed from affection. Affection should also be a part of our lives in dealing with the children in our midst. They need to see our love through affection as well. I frequently am reminded of... um, my father telling the story when he was speaking at Wheaton College at one point, he uh, talked about how important it was for mothers to, to uh, hug and kiss their children and their sons as well, even if those children ran away from them. <laughs> they had to run after them and catch them and, and demonstrate affection in these manners. And what he said wasn't necessarily so interesting, but the reaction he got was a standing ovation. From college students, that is something that young people appreciate: demonstrations of love through affection. On vacation, I was talking with my brother David about the time surrounding his high school and college years. In those days, David was doing whatever he pleased, but he had a healthy fear of ever letting our parents know that he wasn't living as they would have wanted him to be because he didn't want to hurt them. We were talking during the course of this conversation about what our father's expectations of his children were as they grew older. And we discussed the fact that in our home there was an implicit understanding that if his children were living under his roof, regardless of their age... Dad expected his kids, whatever else they did or didn't do, to join the family in going to church on Sundays. David said it was interesting because these were times in David's life when if he'd had his druthers or done what he chose to do, he wouldn't have gone to church. And so we discussed, you know, how many times did he not go to church? He said, well, there were just maybe two or three times in the whole course of this time. That he didn't go and he said, well, he wasn't feeling well, he was sick. David said that because he always wanted to please my father, even when he was living in a way which he knew would not have pleased my father if my father had known it, he never seriously thought of disobeying this implicit requirement. So he never learned whether it was implicit or explicit. In other words, he never learned whether that was indeed a requirement my my father had or something that we all understood. He always went to church with the family Because he knew that honoring the Lord was first and foremost in the life of our parents And because he was kept in check by knowing mother and dad's love for him So it was these two things, these two overarching principles That our parents put the Lord, for, the Lord first And taught that to us And their love for us as their children that caused David to honor our parents and honor the Lord even dimly. Now, how do we apply these principles in everyday living? How do we react as parents and adults in dealing with children? We need to put the Lord first and we need to demonstrate love. We need to teach children, we need to deal with them in such ways that we do what is in the best interest of the children, even when it is against their wishes. We need to do what is in their best interest, even when it is against their wishes. We find this illustrated throughout Scripture. God telling His people, I know this is what you want, but you are going to get this instead. Sometimes He gives the reason, sometimes He doesn't. But what we are encouraged time and again to understand throughout Scripture is that these are illustrations of God's love for us. That He is giving us what we need because He understands what we need better than we ourselves understand it. And so we exhibit the same thing in our dealing with children. That we understand them, where they are coming from, what their future is going to require. And therefore, we do not give them the desires that they have unless we can give them to them. But we give them what is best for them. Sometimes that includes their desires. Sometimes it doesn't. And there's a consequence paid in the relationship as a result of it, but it's a temporary consequence. We need, as adults and parents, we need to put the needs of the child before self, before selfishness. One of the major problems in our culture is that many people, and many of them are parents of children, have not learned to put others before self. For them, self always comes first. Self comes before their spouse, <clears throat> if they are married, before children, before work, before anyone and everyone. <clears throat> now we need to put the child, the needs of the child, before self. I don't mean put the desires of the child before self. <clears throat> Some parents fall into this trap out of a sense of guilt, putting the desires of their children before themselves. Or before others. For instance, oftentimes mothers who work and do not feel capable of giving the children the time that they want, frequently express <clears throat> that as a, as a result of the guilt, they will let their children rule the whole world, in essence, their whole family life, give in to their child's every whim and desire, allow the child to make every decision for the family. That is not right. What we need to provide as adults and parents is a rightly ordered world in the family in which the child is taught his or her place in the family or church universe. What that means is that first, if there are parents and they are married, first in the rightly ordered universe, After the relationship with God, which is overarching, first comes the relationship between the parents. Children should never be allowed to get into and cause trouble in the relationship with the parents. And then comes the relationship between parents and children. The relationship between parents began before the children came onto the scene. It will continue after the child has gone Marriage is a relationship which makes two into one many children and many parents are thankful that they are not stuck in the same household together for the rest of their lives as couples are when they marry parents as adults for instance what is a what is a, a normal outworking of this teaching children a rightly ordered world in the family and in the church it means that adults have the priority in decision-making matters and in authority. That has many ramifications. We need to provide consistency and dependability in everything. Children thrive in a certain atmosphere where there are not constant major changes. Now, but... By this you understand, I obviously don't mean provide oatmeal for breakfast every morning. (laughs) There are certain changes which everybody needs. But consistency and dependability must be provided in those things that count. We rejoice in knowing, as Scripture tells us, that God is not a changing God. He does not change like shifting sands. He does not change like the shadows. He remains constant. And as a result, we do not have to worry in our relationship with him that if we come to him with this response, or this action, or this attitude on one day, he's going to be pleased by it, and then on the next day, because it has taken his whim to react differently, he may be infuriated by it. This is the God, Allah, of the Muslims who the Muslims do not know how he is going to react or respond. He is constantly changing. They cannot tell where he is coming from or how he is going to respond from one day to the next. Our God is not a God such as that. Our God is the true God, and he does not change. Therefore, we as adults and as parents need to provide consistency and dependability. And finally, we need to provide attention and not neglect. Children should know that although they are not the center of their family or church's universe, dictating every action for the adults around them, that they are still worthy of attention and plenty of it in abundance. At one end of the spectrum regarding this is criminal neglect, where children do not have their needs met. At the other, the healthy end, is where children receive attention from adults. Where adults do not constantly push the children aside. You know the song and the words of Cat Stevens' song, Cats in the Cradle. It expresses the fact, the the regrets of a father who did not demonstrate attention to his son, but instead neglect. It was not criminal neglect. He never had time for his son, and therefore at the point in time when there was the opportunity for friendship and not primarily a father and son relationship, the son did not have time for him. Now, that's not the reason that we show attention, but that is one of the consequences if we do not show it. Let us consider these things, consider what they involve in our relationships with those children around us, that we might be God's blessing to those people who are younger than we are, who are dependent upon us. Let's pray. Your Father, teach us these lessons from your word. We depend upon you for our lives. We depend upon you for our relationships. And we ask that you might bless those parents in our midst with wisdom. That they might put your priorities first. And therefore bring up children who give great glory to you. And who have an easier time honoring their parents as a result of the honorableness of their parents. We pray that we as a church family might honor your word in our relationship with the children in our midst. That you would work in the hearts and the lives of all those in our midst, that they would trust in you and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.